0: Welcome to the Questions for the Sages podcast. I'm Michael Scherer. Vishwambhar Das met Srila Prabhupada in 1973 and served as president of the Hare Krishna Temple in Potomac, Maryland around 1989. He first saw white Western devotees in India and soon after on his first day in America. It was a pleasure to spend time with him. You can hear the Questions for the Sages podcast on questionsforthesages.com. The Questions for the Sages Facebook page, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Thanks to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this podcast possible. Welcome to the Questions for the Sages podcast. I'm Michael Scherer. This is interviews from the Hare Krishna community in Potomac, Maryland. And today, thank you very much for uh, joining me. I'm speaking with Vishwan Bardas.
1: Yes, I'm very happy to be here, Prabhu.
0: Thank you very much. Can I ask you a question? You, you, um, you're dressed in orange. Yes, sir. Why is that? Uh, the
1: particular reason that why I'm dressing in orange is because there are four different classes in our society. And the first class or the beginning of life class, student life, is called Brahmachari and then the after twenty-five age when you finish your studies you, then you enter in what is called family life <coughs> that is Grihastha in Sanskrit. So uh, if you, you have a choice at that point either to go into the Grihastha family life or you can straight move on to the sannyas, which is the renounced order of life. So most of the people, you can say 90% or more, will go into the family life. But a few of them, they may straight away go into sannyas. <clears throat> so sannyas or renounce order requires that they have the orange uh, cloth, wearing the orange. Mm-hmm. And now from, uh, from the family grihastha, family life, when you retire at the age of 50 or 60, then again you have a choice to enter into vanaprastha <clears throat> there is a th- third order so in vanaprastha is called we can say retired life
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in vanaprastha or retired life you have two choices you can live with your wife and uh, but not uh, you don't have any business or job or anything you're retired and you are fully committed to propagate the mission of the Lord Hmm. so uh, that is retired life so now you are active in another way you have active life but it's not in your business or profession it is for the work of the uh, to propagate the holy name or you know propagate the message of the Lord so that is uh, and and in that order retired you can either with be with your wife or you can be alone without your wife, and if you are alone without your wife, then you can wear the orange also. Mm. So <clears throat> that is the uh, uh, preparation for the next order which is the sannyas or renounced order. Uh, so there are rules for every, you know, each order, what are the good things for uh, for students to do, what are the important things uh, for the family life, To what kind of duties you should be doing. What, what is good for the retired people, and then what is good for the sannyas or renounced order?
0: When when you sort of refer to this as a, a sort of a cultural we, like this is what we do.
1: This is the this is the coming from India basically. It is the part of the culture or civilization or this social order system given by Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. In Bhagavad Gita, he recommends that when the society is divided into these social orders, then the function will be very harmonious, there will be peace and prosperity in the society. Everything will work out very nicely. Uh, if the student, in the student life up to the age of 25, if the student is trained up very nicely in the, uh, cultivating the values of life, higher values of life, Uh, getting the proper education (coughs) and knowledge then uh, he'll be well prepared to face the challenges in the family life and he'll be able to guide his family, have nice children and also educate them nicely. Uh, So uh, so (coughs) uh, that is how the four orders are divided and each of these social order has a particular significance some contribution to the whole society
0: does this system of ordering um, uh, work well or does it conflict with the united states constitution
1: actually uh, uh, if i tell you truthfully when i came to america there was a for me. There was an opportunity to testify in one of the courts, and the judge he asked me a similar question. He said, "What is your system?" Uh, so then I described to him this order, social orders and spiritual orders, and I described the purpose uh, of life and a uh, little bit of philosophy. And he was very impressed, and he completely and totally agreed with that. And then. Later on, I studied the Constitution, and I realized that uh, the Constitution is actually recommending a very uh, uh, happy and prosperous society and uh, any system that can contribute for the peacefulness uh, and happiness of the society, human society, that is very welcome in America.
0: Why were you speaking to a judge about this?
1: Yeah, there was a court case, and they called me uh, testify. Uh, what on, was, what on, was the court case about? On behalf of the temple, I went. Uh, there was some court case. I forget the detail. It was in 1975, I believe, uh, around or around that time, 76 maybe. But I remember this particular thing hmm. that the judge he really liked it. I don't remember all the details, but it was a court case where a temple was involved, uh, Chicago temple at Evanston that time we had a temple in Evanston so there was something I don't know what the issue was but but they mm. called me so yeah. <laughs> to explain something about the Indian culture and what is your system and everything so I explained it
0: I I apologize for being a little bit late here in, in, in this introduction but I didn't know that you used to be the temple president here
1: yes sir I actually uh, I served here as a temple president in 1989, uh,
0: 90, around that time. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, for two, three years I was here in Washington. And I had a very nice time actually, Uh, one of the best times I spent here. And I raised my family here, also the two girls, they were going to the school here. The school system is very good here in Potomac. Oh yeah. So they got the advantage of studying here and uh, uh, I, I got the advantage to meet many nice, wonderful gentlemen, many nice devotees here. Uh-huh. And we were working as a team. Arvind Bai was one of the team members here. Right, right. So we, we really had a nice time here. That was in '89, And I joined the Iskon Society in
0: 1973. 1973
1: is <coughs> earlier than most. It's quite early because... There's, I'm already 68, so <laughs> wow. I, I I was young that time. <laughs> you
0: look very healthy.
1: Yeah, I I came actually when I was 24 or something around that age. And where were you? I was in India, uh, uh, a place called Ahmedabad. It's near Bombay.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh <clears> huh. <throat> and the amazing thing that happened in my, in my life that time was that I was visiting Bombay for my visa and things. And that time people were going near in that area in Bombay. Uh, something was happening, I noticed. So I went in that direction. And in the uh, the area is called the Church Gate area. In the Church Gate, there's a cross Maidan. There's a park.
0: I've heard of that.
1: You heard. So in that park, there was a big Pandal program. There was a big festival kind of thing. And there I met Srila Prabhupada, who is the... Uh, founder Acharya of the Iskan Society. And I was very lucky to, even though it was only for a few minutes, he gave me very important instructions for my life. In just few minutes I was... That time I didn't understand the seriousness of meeting such a great personality. I was not at all knowing anything. I was very uh, kind of an ignorant state. But he gave me directions. Um, he asked me a few questions, what I was doing and everything. And then he told me what I should be doing, Uh, so.
0: Well, why did you, um, when he told you that, why did you think he was qualified to tell you that?
1: Well, the thing that impressed me was that uh, there were white people, white devotees, dancing on the stage. Hmm. And they were doing Hare Krishna chanting. And there were thousands and thousands of people in the crowd. There may have been few Western people. But what I noticed was that only there were um, Indians in the crowd. But on the stage, along with Prabhupada, there were uh, the white people. Uh, and they were dressed as uh, in Dhoti Kurta, in Indian dress, and they were singing and dancing. So I was quite impressed with it, well, uh, with my curiosity. And uh, uh, to answer your question, I was actually um, lucky to have. Good parents who taught me from the Bhagavad Gita from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of a lot of philosophical discussions from my young age in our home, and they they would uh, my father would take me to some saintly person who came to town, mm-hmm. and uh, we would attend their lectures. So I was used to this kind of thing that saintly people or those who are talking of about Bhagavad Gita. I had heard a lot of people before talking from Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. So when I saw uh, these Hare Krishna people, then I could, you know, uh, I I was happy to see them. And then when I saw Prabhupada, that time I was impressed because of his his, uh, ability to even attract the Western people and and, uh, make them Krishna devotees, because uh, that was something that I had never seen before.
0: It's, it's hard for me to understand what your reaction was being an American. I've been to, uh, India once, yeah. but what I don't understand is what was the religious scene before the Hari Krishnas <laughs> came. So before the Hari Krishnas came, would you see a big event with Kirtan and Hari Nam going on with people chanting the names?
1: The Harinam was there but uh, not so much, Uh, I think it was the phenomenon it kind of exploded even in India after Prabhupada introduced the western devotees on stage doing this Harinam Kirtan in different uh, major cities of India and uh, that kind of revolutionized the idea because uh, the traditionally this is the Bengali style Kirtan Mm -hmm. that was mostly practiced in the homes or in small places in Bengal and also in different parts of India there were clusters and there in towns they would gather and do kirtans but standing up and with musical instruments, dancing and singing that is a particular thing that is a gift of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Mm -hmm. who who came in Bengal 500 years ago. But
0: there seems to have been a particularly interesting mixture of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching and Westerners coming in. Like, this seems to have been a particularly powerful combination.
1: Yes, exactly. That, That this combination worked in India and all over the world because the world had never seen... Even the biggest uh, prominent historians of the world are saying that after Christianity, now this phenomenon, after 2000 years this is happening again, that uh, an Eastern religion is taking roots in the Western soil. So uh, in America it started first, uh, Prabhupada came to New York and it started in New York and then he went to San Francisco and then it spread all over America and Canada, Mexico, then he went to different countries, Europe, Australia, all over the world he went many times. So what happened was it was kind of a spiritual revolution that first time in the history uh, religious tradition from India was again spreading after Jesus Christ brought uh, the Krishna religion to West. He he, he was known as Christos, the uh, uh, from krishna they were saying in greek christo jesus the christos jesus who has realized krishna so so he was known like that in his time and he was giving the message of krishna and then christianity became a major religion so the historian
0: now, now i i just want to point out that i don't <coughs> i don't think that most christians would be in full agreement with that analysis
1: yeah, that may be true. The the Christians may not be familiar with their own roots. Uh, that happens a lot with people, and uh, but historically, if you go trace it back, some devotees actually took the records from uh, the English libraries, and and took them uh, the records to the Pope in Rome, and they showed him that look, this is this says that Jesus went to India. And he learned the science of Krishna consciousness, and then he brought the message back to his place. So, what do you have to say about it? So, the Pope said that yes, we know, uh, we know all about it, but it's not important. Hmm. So, if it is not important for Pope, and if he doesn't want to present it like that, then why would, how would the Christians know about it?
0: Right. right. If the
1: Pope declares himself publicly instead of just in a private circle if he says publicly that yes actually we are uh, our roots are back in India then of course the Christians would know
0: well now <clears throat> I mean you're you were born in India yes I was and so y- 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 suspicions are raised when you say yes well India is the source of all of you know, this wonderful <laughs> thing. <laughs> Naturally, it, kept, it, would,
1: it would look like a biased statement. Sure. But I read the books that are written by Western people. Uh-huh. And, uh, and no Indian had so far, surprisingly, even, had even tried to write or even uh, uh, say anything about these things. Why not? Because I think they, they were under the uh, British rule for a long time, before that for Muslim rule. And they were just kind of like, you know, uh, become, uh, became like uh, order carriers. And they never thought that we can have independent thinking, we can see and dig into our own culture and find out the, you know, where it came from and all that. So even though it's all there in the recorded history, nobody, uh, uh, you know, uh, is uh, bold enough to, uh, Uh, find out and declare about it. So, I don't think any Indian has, even, I haven't tried. Uh, We're just talking, that's why I'm mentioning, Mm -hmm. but I've never publicly said these things. So, uh, you know, I I guess Indians are by nature like that, they're not. uh, And that's why Prabhupada, he liked Americans, because they were very uh, uh, independent-minded, thinking people, rationalizing everything. Making their own decisions, and once they made the decisions, they will stick to it. And no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna, uh, we don't, we are not worried about anybody. We don't care if the, the whatever is the truth, let the truth prevail. That's the spirit of America. Mm-hmm. So that's what Prabhupada he appreciated.
0: So you've you've seen basically this movement from the beginning, yes, or the, from. Very close to the beginning, so you've seen a lot of change and evolution. Yes, and uh, I, I was wondering if we could sort of focus maybe on the last ten, twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you've seen happening in ISKCON? What do you think? Uh, what direction do you see it heading in?
1: Right now, what is happening in ISKCON is a kind of mind-boggling, because. Uh, Maybe it is the plan from the you know coming from above, or uh, maybe it is uh, something that is very striking. Uh, it's the help of maybe the technology that uh, the Iskan movement uh, is spreading. First, it began in uh, Prabhupada started in America, so it began in America, and Prabhupada, he sent his American boys and girls out to all over the world, different countries and they established centers. But these centers now have grown into temples, farms, restaurants, and in many countries. Now even there are more devotees than uh, there are devotees in America, in in USA. Because Prabhupada started, so initially you could only find American devotees. Even when I joined the Chicago temple, I was about the only Indian, uh, everybody else was American mm-hmm. that time. So they were very happy to welcome me, that we found at least one Indian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. So uh,
1: uh, uh, I became very deeply interested, I was very happy, and the is very, so we had a very nice time. But uh, right now I see uh, even Russia, China, I go uh, to these different countries, even in Middle East. Uh, I go to countries, visit them and in Australia, uh, South America, everywhere there are hundreds and thousands of new devotees and India itself is going through a change, uh, mm-hmm. such a big change where there were ISKCON devotees before but now there are 10 times, 20 times more uh, ISKCON devotees, ISKCON is becoming a household name in India. Practically all the major media they are covering ISKCON, and. Uh, all the pol- political leaders, religious leaders, all kinds of leaders, society, they, they are participating, they welcome the activities of ISKCON. So, ISKCON is quite prominent in India as well as in many other countries in the world. So, uh, I think in the next 10 years, since last 10 years, this has you know increased so fast. So, in next 10 years, I see it will be a very big change and there will be a lot more uh, participation, a lot of uh, uh, devotees uh, of ISKCON, international society, who are following and uh, very nicely the process of Krishna consciousness, how to achieve self-realization, how to achieve God-realization, how to be uh, in love with God and in love with humanity, how to love the whole creation of God all these good principles that uh, how they can apply it in their personal life and feel very happy. So that is what I'm saying that uh, participation is increasing tremendously.
0: Really? Yes, sir. Hmm.
1: Wherever I go, I see the same uh, same thing happening now. In America, there were a lot of devotees before. In Prabhupada's time, they had a survey made, 1% of the population they, they, it was not even the choice to write down, but they wrote down Hare Krishna as their religion. 1% of the population. Oh, really? And they were surprised. The media people, everybody got a shock. That where this group came out of nowhere, they did not have even given them the choice. There was Christianity, there was Judaism, there was Islam, there was Buddhism, different religions were written. But 1% of the American people wrote down... The prob- Indian people. Probably the young people. There were no Indians in those days in America.
0: The- when they did this survey.
1: Right. And very few Indians. Some some professors, that's all. But uh, in those days, there were, the Americans, young Americans wrote down their religion is Hare Krishna. And everybody well, got a shock.
0: Well, that's... Uh, that'd be... That's very positive news that, that <coughs> there's increasing participation because I think that most churches are experiencing the opposite.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Is this taking longer than the uh, Prabhupada's devotees originally thought? Like when, in the 1970s, did they think that in 2017 we would be further along?
1: Yeah, in those days Prabhupada had such a tremendous momentum. He was like an inferno. And uh, he was the source of inspiration. So um, all the devotees were so fired up that we want to just, you know, make the whole world Krishna conscious right now. Mm -hmm. We don't want to wait. That was the mood. And uh, Prabhupada was able to infuse that mood into the devotees. So, naturally, devotees thought that it would be no problem to make the whole world Krishna conscious and everybody happy very fast. And some devotees, from those days, they may feel that, oh, why why not the whole world yet? Mm-hmm. So it may come as a little bit surprise to them, but things take their own time.
0: But do you have confidence that even though it's taking a little longer, that it will happen?
1: I am fully convinced Totally, I am fully convinced that uh, in this uh, Krishna Consciousness Movement, Srila Prabhupada is in charge. He is running the whole show. And uh, devotees, as devotees, we are working as his instruments. And uh, things are going quite speedy because the historical clock, the historians, they are noticing. See, devotees cannot figure it out, but the historians, they have figured it out. They say, this is the... Fastest growing religion after Christian, what Christianity achieved in six hundred years. Uh, that in a short period, Krishna consciousness is Khan kind of has achieved in a uh, like how many years? Forty years, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, you say <clears throat> that behind the scenes, Prabhupada is is directing things, and in in the, in the scriptures, we often find that a powerful figure um, will find powerful opposition. So um, the more powerful you are, the more powerful the person who's going to antagonize you will probably be. And so what I'm wondering is Prabhupada is directing this mission, but is he facing um, sort of um, uh, difficult... Difficulties and obstacles beyond what any normal person would be able to cope with so does he have a a, a Battle that he's fights in order to keep this mission underway
1: Yes, when Prabhupada was here in Washington DC or in America That time he had to face many big challenges on a daily basis big big challenges from everywhere because Somebody up there had noticed that this movement is growing too much fast and it could be a major threat to some people, whoever it may be, some lobbies or whatever. Like, you know, meat industry because, you know, we don't say, we say vegetarianism, etc. So the meat industry may be feeling uncomfortable or whoever. So there were a lot of challenges in, in those days in Prabhupada's time. And <clears throat> the challenges remain now. But uh, now what is happening is because there is no figurehead like Prabhupada uh, out in the open mm-hmm. after Prabhupada left. So, you know, the opposition doesn't know who to fight with. If you don't have a figurehead, who are you going to fight with? Who are you going to attack. Yeah. attack? There's nobody to attack.
0: So that's a good thing, this sort of uh, I think dispersal so. of, of decision. Yes, making.
1: I, I think it's a very good thing, because everybody is taking a second seat. Uh, practically speaking, nobody is claiming that I am the next Prabhupada or I am the next after Prabhupada.
0: Well, I think there were a couple of instances of that, but they they ended in disaster. Exactly. Basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Those people who actually ventured, they were a big failure. Yeah. Yeah, they had setbacks, they had problems. Uh huh. So now the leadership in Skan has realized and matured and understand that it is more important to follow Prabhupada instructions rather than make your separate claim
0: yeah and the um, that group the governing body commission has to be concerned about at least the next generation yes and uh, are you aware of of what their concerns are or what their strategies might be to um, to deal with a generation that's grown up with smartphones and... Um...
1: Yes, the biggest challenge is, the, is to how to plant the seeds of Krishna consciousness in the next generation and mm-hmm. the generation after. Because if you are not successful in that, then the movement will automatically dry up. Mm-hmm. If the technology takes over... And people become so busy that they have no uh, time to find out who who am I or the basic fundamental questions about our uh, spiritual identity or where am I why I'm going through these kind of circumstances. Uh, w- what is the higher reality? What is the higher pleasures of life? How I can achieve perfection in my life? how I can achieve ultimate success in my life if they don't have philosophical questions and if they get totally and wrapped into the technology gadgets and uh, just like you know if there is a temple or church and across the street few shops open up and then uh, after a while there are more shops and then there is a whole shopping mall and there is another shopping mall and then the whole temple surrounding becomes like a whole commercial zone and then the little temple becomes like a token thing and it's a whole commercial enterprise. So then people may not be able to see that uh, what is the actual, uh, you know, good thing and what is what is the place of the commercialism. So. What well,
0: Have you seen that happen?
1: Several places I noticed, yeah. Uh, it can happen, uh, I mean, it can happen anywhere, but... Uh, That's why the organic growth of the movement is very good, I I realize, uh, that's my personal understanding that as the movement grows organically, it's much better than, uh, you know, suddenly if you have a whole big wave of commercialism, five-star hotels and big malls and everything around the temple, then people... I've seen that they pay more attention to the hotels and to the cinema houses and you know all the things that the mall has to give and the temple remains on the side, it becomes a side issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, that can happen, uh, I mean I've seen it happening in different places so I think uh, it, it is better that there is a balanced growth and the temple keeps its own you know message, is able to broadcast its message nicely.
0: You mentioned technology um, as a bad thing. Um,
1: Uh, Well, I I didn't mean to, but I don't know.
0: (laughs) But I mean, there must be ways. I mean, you can't can't tell this upcoming generation to put their phones away. Right. You can't really do it. And so you have to figure out, well, how is the phone a tool to help spread?
1: So it's a double-edged sword. Technology is good in many ways. It can do bad if the younger generation absorbs their mind into pornography or something, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, if the younger generation, just like the Facebook and Twitter, it has so many things in it. But the one good thing I see is that the Twitter and Facebook and all these media things are taking the message of Krishna consciousness all over the world. And right now you can go on these things on Facebook and you can even find out what is happening in Australia in a Krishna temple or what is going on in India in Vrindavan in the Hare Krishna temple. Uh, mm-hmm. The technology, that, that's a very big blessing. I, I see, I, I, if the younger generation somehow can take advantage of this wonderful facility which never happened in the history of mankind, that uh, you could sit here in your own living room and you, you can see uh, Vindavan, from here you can see Radha Krishna, Radha Shyam Sundar, from, from 10,000 miles away. Hmm. So, I mean, there are many, many, adv- there are audios, videos, there, there are uh, uh, so many presentations that are going on day and night. All over the world, the activities that, that are happening in Krishna consciousness, now they are at, at your fingertips. You can, you can just, you have to just open your uh, smartphone.
0: Right. The problem is that there are, are a thousand other things at your fingertips. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's the only challenge. How yeah. are you going to guide your children? How are you going to train your children? Uh, so they can develop some liking for Krishna Consciousness, because Krishna Consciousness has so much of depth, and not only philosophy, but the the, the essence that gives you pleasure, uh, that is embedded inside this crystal consciousness activities and if the uh, children from the young age are guided and nicely introduced into it, then they naturally, by the time they become teenagers, they'll have so much of liking mm-hmm. for that. So, uh, it is a challenge, but uh, I think it can be done, uh, and it should be.
0: When when you first approached uh, the Hare Krishnas in 1973 in India, and up till now, I would imagine that there's some aspect of, of the worship that appeals to you the most, whether it's deity worship, chanting, japa, or kirtan, or... or um, prasadam was it was there any particular my favorite
1: thing? is uh my favorite is chanting Hare krishna mantra. japa japa is my favorite and i love kirtans as well kirtans are i'm not averse to it i really love it i mm. i enjoy it thoroughly uh but the, because i you know i studied also i i became a dentist so uh because of my nature to study so I automatically got into the books, uh, studying the Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Charitamrita. And once the devotees, they brought the whole set of, Shrimad, uh, of Chaitanya Charitamrita I started uh, reading it. And I couldn't put the book down. Really? I was reading day and night. I went to my clinic and between the patients, I was reading the book.
0: The Chaitanya Charitamrita. Chaitanya, Charitamrita.
1: Chaitanya Charitamrita captured me. And uh, it was amazing experience for me. So, uh, um, studying has been ever since. Yeah. Were you
0: yeah. Were you chanting when you were uh, at the same time that you were reading the Chaitanya Charitamrita? Had hmm. you taken up japa at that time?
1: I was chanting, uh, but not while reading. But yes. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: I didn't mean I didn't mean while reading, but that was part of your sadhana.
1: Yes, yes. I, I was. I started with uh, studying the books and. Uh, Uh, also the uh, chanting. Both the things happens. The devotees were very beneficial. They would guide you so properly, so nicely that, uh, you know, without any pressure or anything you would pick up things naturally and they would teach you everything, every little detail they would explain you. That how to chant nicely, how to follow the chanting of Prabhupada. Watch how Prabhupada is chanting on the tape. Listen to it try to grab the mood with which Prabhupada is chanting and then how Prabhupada is singing the eight, eight Sikshashtakam Slokas and how to understand this Sikshashtakam of Lord Chaitanya the way Prabhupada is explaining. So all of these things devotees were very uh, happy to share with you. So uh, it was very natural for uh, me to pick it up and try, you know, try to uh, become more and more, uh, like, you know, take as much mercy as possible. Mm-hmm. So that was the mood from the very beginning. And
0: and what did you like so much about the Chaitanya charitamrita
1: It's a hard question.
0: Oh, yeah? <laughs> you, now, you really loved this book, right?
1: Yes, I, I loved the book. Uh, uh, actually, what happened was when I was uh, in the... Tenth grade, I believe. That time I was first introduced to Lord. I read uh, Lord Chaitanya's biography in my mother tongue in Gujarati, uh-huh. and uh, I picked up the book from the library, and I read the book and I got really surprised to see the personality. Even though it was a, you know, it uh, it was a very small book about the life of Lord Chaitanya, and that was my first introduction. And then when I saw Prabhupāda, and uh, then the, the first day I came to America, I saw the devotees in Manhattan chanting Hare Krishna. That was my first experience. And I became so happy to see the devotees chanting mm. on the street. And I said, look at these people. They are wearing dhoti and kurta. They are dancing on the street. I am wearing shirt and pant. I am from <laughs> India. That was my first day in America. Uh-huh. And uh, I was so surprised. One devotee came. He gave me um, back to Godhead magazine, and I gave him a little donation. And uh, that was in New York, Manhattan, first day. And then I later I went to Chicago, and I found out where this temple is, Sarai Krishna temple. Well,
0: had you been to temples in India?
1: No, I'd never been to, because i had come very quickly after that uh, uh, to America. so uh, So I didn't know even... Uh,
0: so you saw them in 1973 in India. In India. And then you saw them again your first day in America. In America.
1: Yes, uh, exactly.
0: And I would say that was pretty auspicious, right? Like, uh, uh,
1: uh, It must be something Krishna's plan. Maybe Krishna was signaling that you should try to look into this. Uh-huh. <laughs> you and you did make... look into this. And then I immediately, because I had a very pious background actually. A very pious a background. pious background. My parents were quite good. Uh, mm. My mother was a Krishna devotee. She worshipped uh, Ladu Gopal, small deity of Krishna. Uh, so so I was familiar with Krishna, worship a little bit, looking, watching my mother. And they would chant Bhagavad Gita every day, slokas from Bhagavad Gita. So I was well, kind of familiar.
0: Did you ever think, like with these Americans, that, you, you know, you'd been doing this your whole life. You understood it better than them. What, what did they have to explain to you?
1: No, no, they actually... Actually, I tell you, though, I had a lot of misunderstandings also along with, because I had traditional understanding of, of, uh, you know, Krishna Bhakti. What my mother, I I had seen that, that's all. But, uh, and I had studied a little bit, you know, Bhagavad Gita, Rama, and Mahabharata, from those books, whatever I had gathered. But the real basic foundational Krishna consciousness comes from the teaching of Prabhupada, from the books and the practicing devotees the devotees who are practicing according to the teachings of Prabhupada that is the real Krishna Consciousness that I realized when I actually started with them that I was making some mistakes before I had some misunderstandings
0: Mm. well isn't that well this is a common story but at the same time it's always surprising to me that somebody would come from India to America and discover their Indian heritage here
1: Right it is quite
0: you know it's quite
1: amazing <laughs> it's a surprise it was a surprise I think it just things happen automatically yeah yeah, I maybe it was my destiny that I would find Krishna in America
0: uh-huh. <laughs> And do you go out on on Harinam? do you do you I I, I I did a lot of
1: harinams out in the street and I still go out uh-huh. I distributed a lot of books out on the street and in different homes, door to door and I love to do that and uh, I also love to distribute the sets of Bhagavatam, um, mm-hmm. Bhagavatam set, uh, that's a very, uh, I think it's a very wonderful activity and I have always supported you know anybody who is also doing that, book. Di- I support book distribution mm-hmm. uh, because uh, uh, that book, books have changed my life so I think that everybody Whoever wants, they should get that benediction.
0: Yeah, and and many times it seems that people get a book, they put it on their shelf, and it's not for another maybe couple of years that they're looking through their bookshelf and then they pick it up and happen to read it.
1: Right, exactly. Eventually. So
0: it's it's effective, but it's also very gradual.
1: Yes, the book is sitting there on the shelf, and the person doesn't know that uh, Krishna, in the form of this book, Bhagavad Gita, is waiting for you. And he's going to arrange it in such a way that one day you're going to pick it up and you're going to start reading. It's only Krishna who arranges. I've seen in many cases in my case it was easy because I was already favorable to read, so devotees were bringing me books and I was reading them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, they were very happy to give me
0: books. Are you involved still at all in the in the administration of the? No,
1: I completely withdrew myself, you can say, from administration.
0: And you're, uh, you are a sannyas?
1: I'm not a sannyas, I'm a vanaprastha. Oh, you're vanaprastha, okay. Yeah, so uh, uh, maybe eventually someday I might be a sannyasi. Uh-huh. I'm quite comfortable also in vanaprastha. Uh, I'm able to travel um, practically speaking a lot of countries uh, to different countries. And I go to China, uh, I go to Singapore, Malaysia, Middle East, India, of course. And in America, I go to different places. So,
0: what do you do when you travel?
1: Well, I uh, usually give discourses uh, on particular topic, either it is from Bhagavad Gita or it is from uh, Bhagavatam, Srimad Bhagavatam or sometimes it is nectar of instructions or nectar of de- uh, devotion or some general topic, somebody may find some you know topic for me or there is a seminar uh, that, uh, you know, uh, how to chant Hare Krishna or why to chant Hare Krishna, there is some discussion about chanting Japa Japa retreat. So different programs I I go to, uh, that usually is the case. Over the period of time, I had the good for- fortune to meet many nice people and many of them, they became devotees in ISKCON. Mm-hmm. So then they again, uh, again and again, they call me and they invite me. So then I go and visit them.
0: Uh-huh. Well, you know, I'm curious, what's happening in China?
1: China is the one country that is the most surprising uh, place in the world because the people of China, whenever I go there, I have found out they are so happy to embrace Krishna consciousness. They are very enthusiastically embracing Krishna uh, consciousness and it's a phenomenon I think the government also has recognized there and they are kind of okay with it. They, they may not be very comfortable or whatever, I don't know. But uh, because there is a lot of, uh, uh, I think there is some, a lot of restrictions still in China uh, to practice Krishna consciousness in open. But they are allowing in a group setting in a hall or in your home in most of the places in China as far as I know, wherever I have gone. Uh, there is some uh, relaxation in that regard and the, the books are available freely in Chinese, in Mandarin uh, all the books are available but they are not able to do the kirtans out in the street Okay, they cannot do that yeah. and they cannot uh, show also uh, show your, you cannot show yourself as a devotee out in public you have to dress as a regular pant and shirt person you can't Dress. I,
0: I love that phrase, a regular pant and shirt person. <laughs> <laughs> but so if you were to dress as a Hari Krishna, they would what?
1: They would cancel your visa and they would send you back to your um, mm. next
0: place. Yeah. So, so there is things going, there's things afoot. Like this is still happening in, in an important way in the world. Like this is... Um, but we're not seeing uh, we're we're not seeing the movement dry up.
1: Not at all. Uh, I think it's flourishing. Uh, it's it's just uh, about to. I wouldn't say uh, explosion or anything, but it it would uh, increase tremendously within next ten years. That much I can see. And in India, it's increasing a lot. In India, it's increasing a lot more than we we could imagine, Hmm. it's going practically speaking. All the major cities and even the medium-sized cities and even small towns, I don't know about the villages yet, but village people are by nature already pious, so when it happens in the villages, they will embrace it too,
0: Hmm.
1: I think so. Village people they, they already it is their tradition for thousands of years, so they they would embrace it. Yeah, the villages are,
0: and and it just happens to have been lost temporarily, and now this is because yeah. my sense is that ISKCON isn't trying to bring something new into the world; it's trying to reestablish what was there before.
1: Exactly, ISKCON is reestablishing the uh, position of spirituality that that every man should have the privilege to pursue the spirituality in his life and there should be no restriction uh or that that's the basic concept in iskcon that every should be free to practice spirituality uh, and krishna consciousness is offering the basic knowledge about self-realization and God-realization. That you first realize yourself who re- re- you really are. If you want to come out of the problems of life and solve the problems of life, and you, if you want to help the humanity, then first you must realize who you really are. Are you the body or the soul? So if you realize not just knowledge but uh, vigyana means applied knowledge you, you realize yourself that i am actually not the body but the i am the spirit soul i am the servant of the supreme and uh, i have connection with the supreme personality then uh, that opens up you know a whole another field of uh, activities and experiences so that is what iskcon is providing in 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 the form of the books uh, in the form of the practices at the temples or centers in the form of the devotees who are the living examples and uh, that is going on all over the world
0: and I would imagine that <clears throat> as as the numbers increase at some point there has to be a an effort to get Hare Krishna's elected to office wherever they are yes like, I, I would imagine that that's a long-term goal. That's a long-term goal. You know, you want, you want senators, you want um, representatives in the House in that, America. That, that
1: was Prabhupada's desire. <clears throat> when he opened his Potomac temple, that was his desire also. And he said that make this temple so nice that the senators and their wives, they come here. Mm-hmm. And uh, they participate in our functions make it so uh, nice and appealing to the uh, whole population here. Uh, so that was his desire that the, the politicians uh, should be very happily participating in, in our movement uh, as well as the you know other high-class people and uh, also create some new leaders. Leader, to create leadership is one of the main purpose because without the proper leadership there can be so many things that can go wrong in the world without the proper leadership look what happened in North Korea the leader over there I just read he was uh, six time he put the nuclear bomb uh, he dig a tunnel and put the nuclear bomb inside deep in the ground but something went wrong and the the nuclear device that exploded and the tunnel blew up and all the radiation and all the material came out and 200 people were killed immediately and now for thousands of people will be affected they're saying because of the radiation for years and years people will be getting cancers and all kinds of deadly diseases so much of devastation uh, uh, from this so You can imagine from just this one instance how things can go haywire if the leadership is not proper. So Iskan has uh, this uh, uh, plan to create the educate and create proper leadership in the world. That uh, and Prabhupada he wanted first the Brahminical leadership, and then after that the administrative. The Brahminical counselors or professors or intellectuals—they come the first, and then the second group is the group of administrators and military people. So, Prabhupada wanted both, but uh, he put a lot of emphasis on the intellectuals also. Bra-
0: Brahminical. Yeah, come. and but <coughs> once also an organization becomes actively involved in politics, which is the goal.
1: Which is not the goal. W-
0: well, part of the strategy, right? Like, to get people involved in politics?
1: Well, if, if as individuals, somebody is more inclined to go into administration rather than into the intellectual pursuit, means he does, his, the Brahminical uh, pursuit does not uh, attract him so much. But he is attracted automatically, according to his psychophysical nature, into administrative skills, and he becomes a very good politician by chance. That is a very big plus. But that is, I would, I would think that is a second goal. First goal is to have the intellect. Intellectuals are the head of the society, Mm -hmm. and if the head is properly situated, then the society will function very nicely if the head is not properly situated if the intellectuals are not properly situated then the rest of the society may feel the disturbances or effects of that
0: and and when you say you know properly situated intellectual you you mean an intellectual who's familiar with at least Three scriptures Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita.
1: Or at least two uh, Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam. Or at least one Bhagavad Gita.
0: But if you understand one or two or three, that qualifies you as <coughs> a sort of a, um, a qualified intellectual.
1: Yes. If you study even just the Bhagavad Gita as it is by Prabhupada, Thoroughly, study means if you study, assimilate it, digest it, then you are guaranteed to become a very qualified leader. That is automatic. It's automatic. It's automatic. Just by studying it and assimilating it, practicing it in your life as much as you can, you will become a very high class leader. Because Bhagavad Gita is so powerful. It is a power pack. It is the essence of... All the Upanishads, Vedanta, Vedanta Sutras, it is the uh, uh, and and Lord Krishna. He has spoken it in such a easy Sanskrit language. Anyone who takes a little bit interest, he can learn this easy Sanskrit that Krishna is talking, and he can become proficient not only in the language but in the topmost philosophy of life uh, that gives you immediate self-realization and God-realization. And then automatically you are a leader. How many people in the world, even amongst the leaders, they have self-realization achieved or God-realization?
0: Well, I I see sort of the the validity testing for that statement that you've made will be slow because you're not going to have too many Christians, and this is generally a Christian nation, say oh you understand the bhagavad gita very well well you're you're a qualified intellectual because they won't they won't they won't credit the bhagavad gita at all
1: but there can you be there, there yes but there can be qualified uh, church people also there can be uh, qualified people who follow the bible very nicely they are qualified too hmm. somebody is following his own book nicely but and, it has to be a book well Bible is a book. So, yeah. Christianity is based on Bible. Sure. So, intellectual means, you know, basically he, is, he has to learn, to study, and to teach two things. Mm-hmm. Krishna says six things the intellectual person can do, and two, of, uh, two are these. That he is studying and he is teaching. Then he is accepting charity and he is giving charity. And he is performing sacrifice, and he is also uh, hosting uh, uh, as a host uh, other people. Uh, he can do sacrifice for other people. So these are the six activities and what exactly is of the sacrifice a Brahmin, Brahmin, the sacrifice in this day and age is uh, that is recommended uh, in our books is the chanting of the holy names. So the the
0: sacrifice that you're talking about and also assembling people to perform a sacrifice, uh, that sacrifice would be the chanting of the names.
1: Yes, of course. When Krishna was speaking Bhagavad Gita, that time there were uh, Vedic sacrifices. There are different sacrifices. Well, the
0: word sacrifice, to use that to refer to <coughs> chanting the Holy Names, doesn't seem like a perfect match, because it doesn't seem like a sacrifice.
1: Yagya sankirtana Praye Yajanti Sumedasal. That is Sanskrit. Yagya means sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Sankirtan means the chanting of the Holy Name. The sacrifice of chanting of the Holy Name is the only authorized sacrifice in this day and age, because the other sacrifices, they don't work now. Their time is gone. Hmm. So, the only sacrifice, and the only the most powerful, just like if it is very dark in the sky or in mm-hmm. outside, then you need a very bright light to m- make everything light, to see everything properly. Dim light, you know, one candle wouldn't work so much. Hmm. You can't see everything. So similarly, one little sacrifice from the Vedas, they don't work anymore. You need the most powerful sacrifice and that is the Sankirtan sacrifice. That is the chanting of the holy names. You get together, pick up your Kartals and Medangas and start chanting Hare Krishna. And more the people, better it is the more powerful the sacrifice becomes. So this is sacrificing your mind intelligence and your tongue uh, and your ears. You are engaging your body in the sacrifice of the Lord for the pleasure of the Lord. You are chanting the holy names that are recommended in these books with us. And in a particular way that your guru, your teacher, your spiritual master he is teaching you how to chant this ma- maha mantra There is a particular technique He is teaching you that this is the way that you should be chanting Hare Krishna. Originally, it is taught by Lord Chaitanya how to chant Hare Krishna. He Himself chanted and He also taught how to chant. And He wrote eight verses how to chant Hare Krishna. For that purpose He wrote eight verses. sixashtakam And accordingly, the Guru explains you how to chant, and when the devotees get together and chant, that is the proper sacrifice in this day and age. Hmm. That's the meaning.
0: And has it benefited you, do you feel? Has uh, all of your chanting in satana, I would imagine that's um, affected the course of your life.
1: Yes. One hundred and eighty degrees <laughs> i I had no idea what I was going to do as a as a successful dentist you know i I had a career, and I was pretty good and happy with it. but the, what the Krishna consciousness brought in me is a hundred and eighty degrees of mm. changes. <laughs> Hmm. So, yeah, I benefited a lot. Sometimes people ask me, or sometimes they wonder, what are you doing in this orange cloth? You should be going out and making money. Krishna has given you such a nice profession, and you could make so much money and you could benefit the society at the same time. You can serve them so nicely. Why are you doing this? Aren't you wasting your time? So, uh, Uh, I explained that, actually I am so much benefited by this Krishna consciousness. That even though dentistry, I was doing good to people, I was was making good money and everything. But this has no comparison, what I am doing right now. Hmm. Not only for my personal benefit, but also I am helping other people, whoever wants. I can help them. I have full time, you know, all the time available for anybody. I wouldn't have that when I was dentist. I didn't have that.
0: Right. Well, I think this is a very nice place to wrap up our interview. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. You've been listening to Questions for the Sages. I'm Michael Scherer. Thanks for listening.
1: Hare Krishna. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Thank you again, Vishvam Bardas, for your time and your association. Thanks to Rico Hayes for the theme music and to Miriam Lansky for discussions about how to approach the subject matter of the podcast. Thank you also to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this podcast possible. I'm Michael Scherer, and you've been listening to Questions for the Sages.